Thanks for joining us for this inspirational teaching by Pastor Jeffrey Smith, Senior Pastor of City of Life Church. For more information on City of Life, visit www.col.tv. Let's join the service already in progress. Today we start this brand new series uh, called Him, H-Y-M-N, because it's not H-I-M, that's why I spell it every time, Him, A Life of Worship. And our text is found in uh, Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 through 6, Exodus 19, 5 through 6, that's the main text. And then uh, if you want to write this other one down while you're reading that, 1 Peter 2, 9 will be our next scripture. It is a text scripture. So it says this. This is God speaking in the Old Testament to Israel, who represented at the time God's chosen people. Typically, you were not able to just call on the name of the Lord, just a random person, not part of Israel. The way that you connected with God was through his statutes, through his commands, through his process. That was being the children of Israel. That was God's chosen people. So he's talking to his chosen people and he's saying, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So let's look at that just real quick. That whole scripture, as you look at it up there, let's go back to the first part real quick. It says, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, so just, just in case you're wondering, human beings are not able to do that. They're not able to obey fully and keep my covenant. This is the Old Testament pre-Jesus coming to earth as a man. So we didn't really have a possibility of obeying fully and keeping his covenant. But what is amazing is that Jesus came to earth and obeyed God fully, fulfilled God's covenant himself as a man, now through Jesus, we are able to receive all the blessings and favor of God that we couldn't get on our own. So the second half, let's move to the second half of that. It says, although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So what God is saying is if you obey fully, I'm gonna give you a blessing beyond your imagination. I'm gonna turn you into a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. First Peter 2, 9, which is in the New Testament, after Jesus had already come as a man and died and was resurrected again. And it says this, it echoes the idea of Exodus 19. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Today I'm starting a brand new series called Him, A Life of Worship. This is part one. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. I just say in Jesus' name, just a second ago during that worship, I just speak prophetically. Some people felt healing come all over their body. Lord, some people felt joy for the first time in a long time. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that liberty that's in this room would continue to do a deep work in people that need freedom from addiction, from oppression, from depression, Lord. In the name of Jesus, would just come out of that in Jesus' name and be happy. Uh, be content in you, Lord. I pray that in this series, you would lay groundwork that we'd be able to build upon and I'd be able to communicate this in a way that honors your word. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. So a hymn is a song that is written for the purposes of religious adoration. So the purpose of a hymn 
It's a song that is written for a specific purpose, which is religious adoration. So a typical song that you hear on the radio, you just want attention, you don't want my heart. That's not a hymn. Can I get an amen from somebody? That ain't no hymn. That's just a song. That's just a song, okay? There's a big difference between a song and then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. I mean, there's, there's just a huge difference between a song that is written as a dedication to God and just a song. So a song that is dedicated to God, that is called a hymn. And one of the reasons that we chose this title, Hymn, A Life of Worship, for this series is I want my life to be a hymn to God. If a hymn is a song that is dedicated for the purpose of Christian or religious adoration, at the end of my life, when my life is said and done, I want God to be able to play back the song of my life, and I want to start with a verse that maybe wasn't such a happy story, and maybe that early verse of my life is me trying to find myself, and I want to move on into the chorus, where in the chorus I begin to find who I am in God. And in the second verse, it's picked up a little bit, and now I live my life. For God. Then we go to the bridge, and the bridge is the transition from that chorus where my life echoes what God is, and it takes me down into the last refrain and to the vamp at the end of the song where it rises gloriously, and my whole life has lived for the purposes of God. I've lived my whole life. I've seen His faithfulness in my family. I've seen His faithfulness in my ministry. I've seen His faithfulness in my relationship. When I look back, I want my life to be the ultimate hymn. Look at somebody next to you and say, I want my life to be a hymn. That's what, that's what it is. It's a life of worship. It's a life of worship. So I, I want to start out with this idea. So if a hymn is a life of worship, that's the name of our series, I'd like to ask you this question. What is worship? What actually is worship? Is it music? I think there's a lot of definitions. There's a lot of beliefs about what worship actually is. If I say, what is worship? Is it music? Is it is it a 20-minute chunk at the beginning of our service that precedes the preaching? A lot of people told me when I was a kid that worship paves the way for the word. That you do worship and, and you sing songs so that you can end up preaching. Even though that's not really even in the Bible. Uh, we kind of do what we do in church now, starting out singing and then preaching. Do you know why we do that? Because everyone else has always done it throughout history. That's really the scriptural reason why. But is that really what worship is? If you want to know what worship is, let's take a look at the word worship, and let's realize for a second that it started from an old English word called worth-ship. No one used to say worship. Uh, back in the old days, they said, oh, so, mate, what are we going to sing in church today for the worship section? And, and, and eventually, someone said that so much and said, you know what? I don't like saying worship. Let's just drop the th and just say worship. And that's actually how we get our modern-day word worship. Uh, it used to be worship. But isn't that interesting? That worship is a little more descriptive of what it actually means. Worth means that you are recognizing and ascribing worth to something. So worship is supposed to be about worth. So let me ask you this question. Is worship about our worth or is it about God's worth? See, I think many of us have made worship about our worth instead of God's worth. I think we've made worship services about us and how we feel rather than turning our hearts toward heaven and making worth 
about uh, worship about his worth in everything we do. See, you don't need a song service to tell you how valuable you are to God. Why? You've got a thing called the cross. The cross established once and forever your worth to God. The cross defines in every possible way your worth to God. Why? Because the Bible said God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave the most valuable thing that he possessed, which is his son. And I'm afraid that many of us, when we come to church We make it so much about us. I mean, maybe you rolled in here today and you were so late for church that, I don't know, that you cut people off, you ran a red light, you ran over a cat, you know, or whatever. I say congratulations about the cat because, I mean, I'm just saying, los gatos son de diablo. No hablo mucho español, pero hablo... La most importante cosa que gatos son de diablo. Amen. Amen. Oh, you don't, you don't think so? Don't worry. You're going to go to heaven, but your cat won't. That's all I'm telling you right now. Okay. You're a sweet lady. I know you. I know you. I'm kidding about the cat. I'm kidding. <laughs> but see, you might have rolled in here last minute. Oh, if I could just get in that worship. Oh, I need it so bad. I need it so bad because it calms me down. And my life is so chaotic. And if I could just get in that worship, I need worship. I need this worship. I need this worship. Is that really what worship is? Is worship really about you confirming or affirming your own worth from heaven to you, you feeling better about yourself? Is that really what worship is supposed to be? Think about it. Let's think about it for just a second. A woman's engagement. When a lady gets engaged and a man asks a woman to be his wife and he gives her a ring, think about the difference between the way a dude tells his friends he's married and the way a girl tells her friends that they're married. A dude... Excuse me, engaged. My wife is keeping me on track. The way a dude tells his friends that he's getting engaged and a, and, a, and a lady tells her friends that she's getting engaged. A dude rolls up into his boys and he just goes. Y'all ain't going to believe this right here. But I'll tell you something right now. I'm engaged. I'm getting all I'm serious. I'm engaged, dude. I just asked. I, I popped the question. It was crazy. So dudes are kind of like, like that. They're sort of chill like that. Girls, I'm going to tell you something. No no offense to the ladies. No offense to the ladies. But when a woman gets engaged, it's the only time in her life that she does not talk. Okay, because what she does is she will actually walk in a room and she will go. Actually, my hip is hurting. right. I'm never going to stand like this again. Only for the purposes of this illustration. But a woman, and she started wiggling it like that. She wants you to see why. Because to a lady, to a lady, she's proud of the size of that rock. Can I get an amen from some truthful ladies in here? Why? Because to her, that means somebody values me on a high level. Worship is not about you affirming your value. If you're ever worried about your value, can I tell you something? Hold out your hand and realize that the cross is the ring on your finger. God already established your worth 2,000 years ago on the cross where Jesus gave his everything for you. 
You can flash that ring anytime you want to. Your worth is established. Worship is about ascribing worth and value to God from us. When you come into a worship service and you come into anything in your life where you're going to give God honor, you don't do it frazzled on your last wit. You do it ready and expectant and hungry to bring something to the table, to give God something of value from you, to show him how valuable he is to you. The way we live our lives establishes what we believe God's worth truly is to us. The conversations we have shows God what he's worth to us. The words that we choose to say shows God and demonstrates to God what worth he actually has to us. What we listen to on the radio and and, and Spotify playlists show God. We're demonstrating to God, this is what I think of you. This is the worth that I have for you. What you watch on TV or Netflix, that shows God, this is what I think of you. What you say when you're standing in line at the DMV and you're patting your foot and you're ready to cuss, that lets God know exactly what his worth is to you. Are you following me here today? We all worship. We all live a life of worship. And we're all great worshipers. But the problem is most of the time, we're giving worth and value to a lot of things except God. And see, the way we live our lives establishes his worth. So if worship is about declaring God's worth in our lives, it's not about us. Its purpose is not, its purpose is not to minister to us. I'm not saying we don't get ministered to. I'm saying that that is a byproduct Getting ministered to and getting encouraged and getting built up is a byproduct of actually worshiping the correct way. See, God is the most glorified in us when we are the most satisfied in him. When we bring God our very best and we worship him and adore him the way we we were created to, his glory surrounds everything we do. Our hearts become full. Our hearts become encouraged and peaceful and happy when we live for the purpose we were created for. So... Its purpose is not to minister to us, but its purpose is that we become ministers to God. So I want to tell you something. We read it in the opening text. You are actually called to be a priest. Two amens in the whole place. Because you don't understand it, you're like, does this mean I have to change my wardrobe? Please don't. Please don't go buy no robe or nothing like that. Let me finish my thought here. You were actually called to be a priest. So I want you to practice something just so you can get this in your head. Look at the person next to you. And I want you to both ask each other this question and then answer uh, one after the other. Look at the person and say, what do you do? And then the other person, you respond back and say, actually, I'm a priest. Try that real quick. Say, actually, I'm a priest. What do you do? Actually, I'm a priest. (laughs) This is so funny watching people do this. I love this. Does that sound strange to anyone here? Well, it actually shouldn't, because Exodus 19 says, If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you'll be my treasured possession, although the whole earth is mine, and you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. It is God's desire that we become a kingdom of priests. You say, well, what what does that mean, a kingdom of priests? Well, I'll tell you this right now, before we get into what it means to be a priest, I'll tell you that if we're supposed to be a kingdom of priests, we have really missed our calling. Because very few of us in this room live like priests. 
Very few of us live with that sense of holiness, that sense of wonder, and that sense of mission about the things that we do in our life. And the sad part of it is many Christians have left the priesthood to the professionals. And what we've done is we have drawn a line right here in front of the stage. And we think that we sit out there, let me let the professionals take care of it. Let me let the pastors that, that do this for a living take care of it. Let me let the, the, the worship leader over here take care of it because he's played so well and I can't play that good. Let's let all the singers up on the stage. They're, they're the ones that are so good at worship. And let me just kind of, I'll just sort of mouth along a little bit. And, and I'll, I'll mouth, I don't really know these songs anyways, but I'll kind of mouth along, but I'll let them do their thing and I'm here and I'm enjoying it. What we've done is we've drawn a line and we have left the priesthood to the professionals and that's scary because it's actually our calling to be priests it's all of our calling to be priests and you say well where did this separation come from it came from centuries ago the church on purpose tried to create a separation in order to manipulate and i'm, I'm not saying that in a, in a mean way about the church but it's just true the leaders of the church didn't want, they didn't allow people to have their own Bibles. If you had your own Bible, you could be killed, literally executed as a heretic for having your own Bible because you weren't qualified to read it. You weren't allowed to just openly worship in church. You had to repeat after what they were saying on stage. You had to repeat what they said. You couldn't worship any way you wanted to. There was an on-purpose line that was drawn to separate the people from the priesthood. But that's not what the Bible says. It says that God wanted us to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And there were great men and women of God in the Reformation who literally gave their lives and died the death of a heretic according to the church so that they could bring Bibles to people and everyone could own their own Bibles and worship freely. But the sad part is that even though we now have the freedom to worship the way we want to, many Christians don't worship freely and they don't even open their Bibles. But yet our calling is that of a priest. We are called to be a new priesthood. It says, 1 Peter 2.9, we're a royal priesthood. And our purpose is to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his, wonder, into his wonderful light. You're meant to be a minister unto God. So if you're supposed to be a priest, what is a priest? Let's look at Deuteronomy 10.8. I like this scripture because it tells three responsibilities of a priest. If you're supposed to be a priest, you need to be a good one. So check this out today. I'd ask you to write these down and, and let's live these out to the best of our ability. And if you're here today and you're going, well, I thought that this was about worship. I came to find out if tambourine ministry is scriptural. I'm not going to answer that question today. I'm not teaching on that today or even next week or the following week. I am teaching on the principles of worship and, and I'm trying to kind of clear up misconceptions about worship and what it is not and what it actually is. And it starts with us being a priesthood. Okay, so let's look at the responsibilities of a priesthood. Deuteronomy 10.8 says, At that time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi. Here's the three reasons. To carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Number two, to stand before the Lord to minister. And number three, to pronounce blessings in his name as they still do today. So this lists three responsibilities of priests. Number one, to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, which basically means that the priest's job is to foster the presence of the Lord, to take care of the presence of the Lord. Priests at this time would set up tents. Okay, so when Israel was in the wilderness, 
It was the priest's job to set up the tent as they would move from place to place. And the tent represented the tabernacle, the resting place of the presence of God. So that in the middle of a desert where there's no life, there's nothing going around, these priests would set up a tent so that people could come into this tent and have an encounter with the presence of the Holy Spirit. That was a priest's job. And I got news for you. You are a priest. It is your responsibility to foster the presence of the Lord. Numbers chapter 1, verse 49. It says, appoint the Levites, who were the priests, to be in charge of the dwelling of the testimony, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, over all its furnishings, everything connected with it. Their job is to carry the dwelling. All of its furnishings, maintain it, maintain it, camp around it. When it's time to move it, they will take it down. When it's time to set it up, they'll do it. Anyone else who even goes near it will be put to death. Can you imagine if you believed that it was your purpose in life to carry the presence of God around with you everywhere you went? No matter what room you walked into, you thought to yourself, I'm going to my job today, but I'm about to set up a tent so that people that are at this job in a dry and dusty wilderness can experience the presence of the Holy Spirit everywhere I go. I'm going to set up my tent in this place today because I'm a priest and it's my job to set up the tent wherever I go. Do you believe that God has called you to set up the presence of the Lord wherever you go? I know that I do. How about this girl? Are you guys okay over here? Can you make some noise over here in this section? Okay. Oh, they're alive. Be careful. This section going to take over the service. I have a feeling right now. This section's feeling it today. I'll tell you something. I believe we're supposed to foster the presence of the Lord wherever we go. My son Jude, um, he's not in here right now, but he started playing this game recently called PUBG. And, um, and, and so I started playing this game, PUBG, with my son. And so in order to play it, I had to get a headset. And he's in one room with a headset. I'm in another room with a headset. And you're trying to run around and throw grenades at people and, and shoot people and all that stuff like that. And I'm not, I mean, I've played Madden for years. I, I'm good at sports games, but I've never played a game like this. So I start playing with my son. And one time, so we get in this room, and then this other guy joins that I don't know who it is. And so we're in there, and then Jude leaves the game. Now it's me and this other guy that we're just in there talking, and I'm, I'm just, I'm not even that good at it. I'm like trying to like concentrate on these things. And this guy goes, he goes, hey, can I ask you a question? He goes, why are you so nice? I'm like, uh, I, have, I don't know, dude. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just, because I, I guess, you know, I would say, oh, dude, that was really good. That was a great idea. You just, you just really taught me how to, how to do something. I, I didn't know how to do it. I love that idea. He'd go, uh, thanks, man. And, and, and I'd be like, okay. And so he's like, dude, why are you so nice? I'm like, I, have, I don't have no idea. And so I am not kidding. I, this like actually embarrassed me. I don't know why it embarrassed me, but it was super weird. Like we're playing. He goes, can I ask you a question? Are you like a preacher or something? I'm like, okay. I'm like, you just fully called me out. And I have no, I didn't say anything about church or God or anything. And so this guy, I'm trying to throw grenades at people, okay? And this guy... This guy is saying to me, he starts telling me his story about going into the military, and he was a, a Christian at one time, and he became an atheist. He became an atheist, and he had something that happened to his wife, where his wife couldn't have kids, and he turned away from God, and he's been studying all these different things. By the end of the conversation, as we were getting off, he's like, dude, I'm adding you as a friend. He's like, and anytime I need someone to pray with me, I'm coming on. I started out this game as an atheist, but I believe in Jesus now. He's like, and I'm, I'm like, he's like, and it's all because of you. I was like, dude, it is not because of me. No, no, no. I, 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 please don't stand. For, I, I know that you're, you're excited. I'm excited too. But I'm going to tell you something. It, it is not, believe, I, I honestly, I was like, how do I kill more people? Like at this time, like, like it, the Lord, the Lord 
will use you in spite of you. If you foster the presence of the Lord, if you foster the presence of the Lord, just be a place where the Holy Spirit can just be in your life and all around you. If you think that is your job, if you really believe it is your job, if you truly believe that's the reason that you were put on this earth, God is gonna create opportunities for you that you cannot imagine. I mean, I told this guy, I said, dude, that has nothing to do with me. I promise you, I'm just, I'm just chilling. You're gonna find that in your life if you just create space to allow the Holy, go make that tent in the middle of the wilderness. It's so dry in the wilderness. There's nothing going on. There's no water, there's no life. There's no hope in the wilderness. But what do you do? You bring the hope in the middle of the wilderness where everyone is perishing and they're dying and you set that tent up. Because, why? Because you say, I'm a priest. And if you're here today, you're like, oh no, I'm a doctor. You're wrong. You are a priest first who happens to have an occupation as a physician. But before you were a physician, you were a doctor. You say, I'm a business owner. No, you're not. Not first. You are a priest first. You have been redeemed by God and called to a high calling. Being a priest is a high call. Their first responsibility is to foster the presence of God. That means everywhere you go, you create opportunities for people to meet God. Number two, it says the second thing they did was to stand before the Lord and to minister to God. To minister to God. Not to stand before the Lord and get ministered to by God. That's not what a priest's primary responsibility is. I, I, I will tell you once again, a byproduct of ministering to God is getting ministered to by God. Let's not get it backwards though. It is our responsibility to stand before the Lord and to bless him and to honor him. Did you know that when I walk through parking lots, I don't know why I do this, but when I'm by myself and I walk through parking lots, I do it like this. I'm not telling you to do that. I mean, people might think like I'm being held at gunpoint or something like that, I'm not sure. But I do it because I have all, I just kind of sort of trained myself like over the years, just when I'm walking, I'm going, thank you, Lord, for this day. I bless you, Lord, everything, I, everywhere I go. Let me just be a host of the presence of the Lord. I want to touch somebody's life. And I want to just remind myself that I got a God that's bigger than me. You know, when I'm standing in line somewhere, I try to, I just, I try to just speak to myself. And I know people think I'm crazy. I just say, bless you, Lord. I love you today. You're so good. So faithful. I'll say it about that volume right there. I'll be in a, a place, a bunch of people, God, thank you so much. I appreciate you. You're so good to me and my family. I'll just say stuff like, just to remind myself why. I just want to make sure that I realize I'm a priest. My job is to minister to God. I, I never, I am, not a, I, am, I am not a pastor because I'm paid to be a pastor. I, I, I don't ever want to be a professional Christian. I, I, I just think that is the worst thing in the world. I want to be a Christian who happens to work in a job God's happened to call me. I'm blessed enough to, to lead others and to be a shepherd for people. I, I consider it a high honor. But see, to me, none of us should serve the Lord because we're paid to do it. We're supposed to do it because it wells up in our heart. We realize the deepest calling that we have is to be a priest unto the Lord. I want to be a priest unto the Lord first. My primary responsibility is to host the presence. My second responsibility is to worship and to minister unto God. You know, your praise music playing in your car isn't there to put you in a good mood. Let me say that one more time because like, no one said amen. Zero people said amen. The praise music playing in your car, you don't turn that on just to say, oh, it's such a peaceful atmosphere in my car. I like the new Bethel because it just sets a peaceful atmosphere in my car. 
No, no, no. That praise music is supposed to turn your heart toward heaven for you to become a minister to God. You become a minister to God. Use that peaceful, beautiful, God-ordained hymn that was dedicated to God. Instead of using it just as a salve for your soul, start engaging heaven. And what you're going to find out is that God is most glorified in us when we're the most satisfied in him. When you begin to say, I worship you, Lord, everything I am, everything I need, I find in you. You are my peace. You are my hope. You are my joy. You are my strength. You're my confidence. I got people at work that are lying about me, God, but I don't care because you will uphold my character. Lord, nobody takes care of me like you take care of me. You have never failed me or let me down one time. In my darkest days, you stood beside me, God. When everybody in my life walked out on me, you refused to walk out. Do you see what happens when you start ministering unto the Lord? He fills every desire that you could possibly have. Your primary purpose is to foster the dwelling place of the Lord. Your secondary purpose is to minister to God. And I'll tell you, once you get that down and you start ministering to God, you have the strength to do number three, what it says in Deuteronomy 10, 8. It says to pronounce blessings in his name as they still do today. That's what I love about you yesterday as our church was acting like a bunch of priests. I loved it. They went out in the community to do what? To bless people. They were acting like priests because priests bless people. They spend half their time ministering unto the Lord, the other half of their time ministering unto people. And it's your responsibility as a priest in worship to let worship go from you to heaven. God brings blessings back down to you and flows out of you to every single other person that you know. That's what the cycle is supposed to look like. There's enough in heaven for you and everybody else that needs it. And then you can begin to bless people. You can begin to speak over people and declare things over people. Last night when my babies were about to go to bed, I just looked at all three of them. They were sitting on the couch and I was talking about what we did at I Love My City today. I said, you do realize that you're going to do this for the rest of your life. God is, God is not done with you. He's just started the blessing in your life. You're going to have ideas about how to bring people hope that I never had in my entire life. God is going to use you. This is just the start. What am I doing? I'm declaring over my family. I'm blessing over my family because I have confidence. I'm a priest, not because I'm paid to be one. I'm a priest because I've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. He called me and he changed my purpose and my destiny when he did it. And the same thing he did with me, he did with every person in this room. Knock that wall down in Jesus' name. When we walk in this room, don't come in this room dragging yourself in here saying if I can just get into that moment where they can minister to me, change your whole attitude. That's why we're an amen church. We're an amen church because what does amen do? Amen, when, when someone says something that identifies with what the Bible says and what heaven says, we say amen because we don't want to sit there as if there's a wall in between. We want to go in the name of Jesus. I reach out and grab hold of that in the name of Jesus for me and my family. Amen. I want to be a part of that. That's what it's all about. Knock down the wall. Don't be content ever to let someone take care of your spiritual life for you. Don't ever just listen to what I say. You go engage the Holy Spirit on your own. You go open your Bible on your own. You go study everything that I'm preaching and open it up and make sure that that's exactly what's being said and God will speak to your heart in ways that you cannot imagine. Don't trust just Kyle and, and Yuli and Cassie and our team to be the worshipers who practice and who bring something to God. I'm going to tell you something. A lot of times that people stand on stages across the country 
country, they think they're worshipers, but I got news for you. A lot of them are just singers. Your worship ain't got nothing to do with how you sing. You might, be, you might happen to be a singer who is a worshiper. And that's fantastic. I hope that's what I am. But a lot of people who think they're worshipers are not. And I got news for you too. Some of them are in this church because I've heard you. Some of the greatest worshipers on this planet can't sing a lick. I've heard them singing. They can't sing. They got the wrong pitch and everything like that. But do you know when you're a worshiper, you don't even really care, do you? You just want to worship God with everything you got. You just put it out there. It's wild. Worship has very little to do with music, huh? We may have thought that today we we're just going to come here and talk about music. We're going to get an opportunity to talk the next couple of series on how worship blends together and meshes with music to create some really beautiful, fantastic moments in the presence of God. We're going to talk over the next couple of weeks on different forms of worship corporately, personally, individually, adoration, what that looks like. And I believe God's going to bring a lot of revelation to the table. And I believe a lot of people are going to be set free and changed. But today, I wanted to start out by telling you that you're a priest. And that may, you know, if you go home and say, wow, I found out today I was a priest. That may not be what you're expecting to learn in church today. But I hope you're excited by that. Because it's beautiful and it's a very high calling. But we all have it. And I hope we all step into that calling and we live it to the fullest. We hope you enjoyed this teaching by Pastor Jeffrey Smith. You can be a part of what God is doing here at City of Life by clicking give at www.col.tv or by texting a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. Thanks for joining us.